BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The major change from the Vatican, Pope Francis formally allowing Catholic priests to bless same-sex couples. The new declaration saying God's love and mercy should not be subject to, quote, an exhaustive moral analysis. There are conditions, though. These blessings are not to be confused with the sacrament of marriage or performed at the same time as a civil ceremony. Still a heck of a move from the Catholic Church at the highest level with the Pope going to allow priests to bless same-sex couples. So... See where that story is in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Welcome. It's simple. They love each other. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, welcome to a, I don't know what you call this version of the Armstrong and Getty show. It's uh, more relaxed. It's going through the motions. It's, you might call it half It's exhaustive moral analysis. <laughs> that might how be. Do you, how do you not do exhaustive moral analysis? That's, that's a religion. How can the... How can the Vatican say, don't do exhaustive moral analysis. What, what are we supposed to do with our time? Learn how to play yo-yo? I mean, that's their job. I f- yeah, I feel like that's what we do. It's way too much of that. Name something. So you're more optimistic than I am. Before we get into this topic, I want to discuss about the Confederate monument. Name something that's getting better. I feel like there's nothing getting better. Everything's getting worse. But that's old man yells at clouds. Tell me something that's getting better. The uh, air travel. There hasn't been a an air fatality on in commercial American airline travel in many years, and the one that occurred was a, a very freak accident. But there hasn't been a deadly plane crash of an American commercial airliner in more than twenty years. Okay, the safety of air travel has gotten better. I'll grant you that. The enjoyment of it is way less. Though. Well, that's because it's cheaper. 
so lower class people can fly. But it's cheaper now than it used to be, which is a huge improvement. Man, oh man, oh man. I can do this show from my house. And the audio quality ain't that bad. And that's an improvement over the way it was just five years ago. There are, yeah, some technology, technology stuff like that is definitely inv- advancement. Culturally, though, I just, I don't, I know, yes. yeah, that's an old man thing, but. No, I. I you think I, it actually I, I is getting worse? Yes, it definitely is. All you have to do is compare episodes of The Simpsons from the first few seasons to the more recent seasons. And there you go. And on, I, that's a joke, but it is true that. When you watch shows now, even just shows from the 90s, you can just sit there and make a list of, well, they couldn't do that today. They couldn't do that today. They couldn't do that. On the other hand, here's the optimistic way of looking at that, which is there are so many different new outlets now that if you wanted to make your own show, you could. You can make your own show with your iPhone. There are people who make television and shows and movies with their iPhones. So, you know, that's a huge improvement. I was somehow I ended up on an old episode of Firing Line last night with a very young look to be about 28 years old christopher hitchens debating william f buckley yeah nobody watched firing line when it was on that's why it had to be subsidized by the government but that was one of the things i was thinking did anybody watch this but i've seen old episodes of like dick cavett and stuff like that this is going way back this is like before even you know i was watching tv but they were so much more sophisticated i don't know culturally I mean, I but the reason for that was there were only three networks, so you didn't have any choice about the matter. The audience was kind of forced to watch stuff that they probably weren't all that interested in back then, mm. any more than they are today. It's just that the the people who have short attention spans now have new outlets for their lack of intelligence. Yeah, I know that's where it gets that's where it gets into a problem with my like the way I view the world versus maybe the reality is the gatekeepers, right? That controlled what we saw, kept things at a higher level. And when the gatekeepers went away and we got what we wanted, it's it's way more crap. The TV show Faulty Towers, funniest television show ever made. There's an episode where it's set in a hotel, and there's an episode where the the, the main character puts an advertisement in the newspaper that just adds no riffraff. And I feel like we should just put that in in all advertisements now. Just Southwest Airlines, real cheap, no riffraff. Yeah, it, it would solve a lot of problems. Yeah, a lot of riffraff. Uh, everywhere, including myself. Um, so, what's this story? I saw you on Twitter with a, a yet another Confederate monument coming down, which you're generally uh, in favor of. What happened here? Well, they took down a, a, a prominent monument, a Confederate monument from Arlington National Cemetery, which there's a certain irony to that because Arlington National Cemetery itself is kind of the opposite of a Confederate monument. They took over Robert E. Lee's Rose Garden and started planting his his victims in it as a as a way of, of flipping off Robert E. Lee, and that's what Arlington Cemetery is now, so I, that's I kind of ironic. I did not know that. Yeah, it was his house, and they took it over and, and just put, started burying Union dead in his yard, and eventually they had to pay his family for taking away his property through for you know eminent domain and all that. But anyway, so there's this beautiful monument. It's beautifully carved and everything, um, but it's being removed. And so this has started the whole thing up again about whether we should take down Confederate mines. Personally, I'm fine with taking them down. I I, I kind of think sometimes it's it's a lot. It's very expensive, and maybe there's better uses for the money. But if you want to take down a Confederate monument, I I think that's perfectly fine. And in fact, it can be a positive thing. And some years ago, I wrote an article about this, that one of the one of the great moments of the American Revolution was when 
you know, the Declaration of Independence was released and people read it. And then they all marched down and tore down the statues of George III and melted the lead down and made uh, musket balls out of it to shoot at the British. And I think, you know, that was a great unifying moment for Americans. I, it seems to me like it can, there's an opportunity here to, for this to be a unifying moment to tear down the, the, the statues of people who really were engaged in a war against a free society in favor of, of a slave society. So I'm fine with that. Uh, renaming the bases I definitely was in favor of. Yeah, that, right. These guys lost a war. Why would you name the war and name the bases after that? Well, that one's not even close. I mean, um, yeah, for the reasons you just stated, people that took up arms against their own country. A lot of the monuments around, it depends on what they put them up to. I mean, because the right. ones that when you look at when they were put up and who put them up was clearly, I mean, just... Clearly, it was all about racism. I mean, oh yeah, the the best one of that is the monument in New Orleans. There's a a literal monument to white supremacy in New Orleans that was put up in honor of the, only the white victims of a race riot that occurred there in the 1870s. It has their names, but not the names of the blacks who were killed. And it says on there, in honor of those who gave their lives for our white supremacist state. And I mean, how can you how can you justify having that monument up anymore? On the other hand, people are always, well, this is destroying history. First of all, monuments aren't history. Monuments are commemoration. History goes, it, history goes into museums. A, a, a monument is celebrating something, and you, I don't think we should celebrate that sort of thing. And then they say, well, how, where do you draw the line? So are we going to tear down statues of Thomas Jefferson next? And To which my answer is, if you can't tell the difference between Robert E. Lee and Thomas Jefferson then that, the fault is with you, not with the people who want to tear down statues. What we need is people who are able to articulate the difference between people who fought for freedom and people who fought for slavery. And if we had people in leadership positions who could make that case, I think you wouldn't have that that problem. You're absolutely right about that. But the, if you looked at the timeline of this trend, it would go Confederate statues, Lincoln's name on schools, right. George Washington's right. name on buildings. Yeah. Meanwhile, UC Berkeley has... On the side of their law school, they have a big etched quotation from Oliver Wendell Holmes, one of the vilest, racist, eugenicist creatures ever to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. And they, they have the, the temerity to lecture other people. They should, they should tear that out of their building before they start picking on other people. Um, what was that Lego thing you just showed me? Oh, my Lego Thomas Jefferson. Yes, it's actually not Lego brand. It's okay. uh, mini building blocks, but they have these of, of a lot of the founding fathers. And I, of course, had to have my Thomas Jefferson, but they're little tiny miniature Legos. And so they keep I keep dropping them. And so it's going to take real concentration to build it. I'm not sure I'll ever get around to it. Is there an accompanying little Sally Hemings or not? Uh, uh, there is an accompanying Monticello, which I have on the shelf behind me, which I have not yet put together either. All right. Uh, that's too bad that's not actual Lego brand because my, my we're really into legos in my house and i don't i don't know if you're aware of this because you're a bit of a uh, grown-up nerd yourself but man the lego store if you go in there there are more 35 year old guys dropping 600 dollars on star wars lego sets yeah because they're the only ones who can afford that stuff <laughs> yeah then there then there are kids looking at uh you know uh, harry potter stuff or whatever totally it's it's really interesting uh we got more to talk about uh you can text us anytime i, I do want to get to this New York Times poll that came out about Israel and um, our current attitudes, which are slipping away from supporting Israel, certainly slipping away from Joe Biden's stance on it, maybe for complicated reasons. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. This is the best Christmas song, and all other opinions are incorrect, so just in case you were wondering. Being sung by choir. It's pretty good. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Welcome. A couple more uh, live episodes before everybody goes on vacation involved with this program. The actual Armstrong and Getty show ended on Friday. Joe is in Europe with his wife Judy for a couple of weeks, doing the vacation of a lifetime. So it's wine-related, if I remember correctly. It's some sort of wine tour. Is that right? Is that what he said? I don't drink, so I didn't, didn't catch that whole thing. Um, and we do have an update on the staffer uh, who had sex with his uh, paramour there in the Senate hearing building that uh, he posted on Instagram and he has now been fired and not apologized, says it's people coming at, after him and it's politics. And he was fired unfairly. I feel like if you have sex at your workplace, videotape it and then post it to Instagram, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. That's just the way it works. But anyway, let's get the headlines now with Katie Green, the news machine. How are you, Katie? I'm doing all right. Let's start with the New York Times. Poll finds wide disapproval of Biden on Gaza and little room for shifting gears. Yeah, let me hit you with those numbers real quick while I've got them in front of me. Actually, I don't have them right in front of me. Um, this will just take a second. But yeah, this is, I don't, I don't like this. Well, I'd like to know what's behind the slide. But currently, you've got 33% approval on Biden's handling of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, it could be one of those negative polarization things where you got all the young people angry that he's so supportive of Israel. And then maybe you got some of the other crowd that doesn't think he's supportive enough, and you end up with a low number. But 33% approval rating is not good. From the Washington Times... Abbott signs law making illegal immigration a state crime in Texas. Yeah, I want to bring that up with Tim the lawyer next segment. I have a feeling I know how this goes, as we've seen this before. But what else are you going to do if the federal government's not willing to do its job? From the ABC News website, Hunter Biden to be arraigned on federal tax charges in January. 
That's when he's going to be appearing before a judge in L.A. There's a decent chance we're going to have dueling trials between the president's son looking into his finances that could touch the president and the former president all at the same time. Won't that be fun? From Breitbart.com, poll. Most Americans want businesses prosecuted for hiring illegal aliens. Um, well, that's something people have been pushing for years, right? Some sort of E-Verify or something like that? Yeah, they're saying 64% of Americans want the federal government to penalize and fine employers. From Fox News, Iceland volcano erupts after weeks of increased seismic activity. Have you seen the pictures of this? Yeah. It's apocalyptic. Yeah. That reminds me of, um... Did you see the article in the New York Times about Pompeii? I want to talk about that coming up over the weekend. From USA Today. More than $10 million in cocaine and meth found in jalapeno paste shipment, federal officials say. Yeah, gotta hide it somewhere. They're sticking it in everything. (laughs) From page six, Travis Kelsey hints at fun Christmas plans amid Taylor Swift romance. Oh, jeez. I'm so sick of this, I just had to put it That's in. the worst version of that whole thing that I've heard yet. Uh, the opening line to this story. Will he meet her under the mistletoe? Oh, my oh, God. shut up. I threw up. I just threw up. Um, uh, I heard some, there was some story that hinted at, like, engagement. They get engaged, then they're nut jobs. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's moving a little quick. I'd say. Finally, the Babylon Bee. Proud parent installs my kid didn't go to Harvard bumper sticker on car. Yes! I want one of those. That is freaking fantastic. I'm sure they exist. I'll have to get it. My kids aren't going to Harvard. I'm proud of my kid who's not going to Harvard or whatever. (laughs) Um, That's fantastic. Thank you, Katie. Um, uh, I was going to ask you about one of those, Tim. Which one is on? But all those stories are... Oh, did you see the thing about... Is it Pompeii? Pompeii's the one that got buried under the volcanic ash. Yeah, two, they, two cities, Pompeii and Herculaneum. Yeah, it was Pompeii, and they, um, and they had a long article, I think it was in the New York Times over the weekend, about how awful life was at that time. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was, and this gets left out of a lot of history. <laughs> It's just how awful it was. But uh, they've uh, reconstructed, uncovered, and then, like, uh, found a way to describe what what one of the buildings was. It was a a bakery, and the slaves that had to work bent over in these cramped conditions with these donkeys that were also abused to death to be able to turn these mills to grind wheat into flour for this bakery. And, I mean, it's just... Like it, it's like it, it's like it was designed to be a torture device. Oh man, and the dirt and the germs, and it just oh. You see, you just say a few segments ago, you were saying things aren't better, things are going be- are going so bad. At least, at least we don't live in ancient Rome. Way too much time is spent in history focusing on the elite in their lives and the way yeah. they dressed and their thoughts and their writings and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's fine. But not enough on what it was like to be a common man around the world. Maybe maybe we'd as all be you, more grateful if we did. As you know, I am wont to recommend books on this show. Get a book by Brian Ward Perkins called The Fall of Rome and the Decline of Civilization, which is a very short book and goes a little bit into this and actually... 
it, what's remarkable is what good condition the the working class person in ancient Rome had compared to what came in the Middle Ages, when at least people, ordinary working class people, were literate. They they had had a better chance of of living at least a, a productive and fulfilling life compared to what followed. And so you know things can go downhill. It's we have no guarantees. Right. That's another uh, uh, important point also for that kind of history is that things can go backwards. It's not a you know progress doesn't move one direction. Right. Right. go backwards um i might talk more about that later but i want to get into that border stuff and a couple of other things uh tim sandifer joining us today and uh plenty to talk about you can text anytime you want 415-295-kftc if you miss a segment get the podcast armstrong and getty on demand armstrong and getty bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. It's the best time of... According to the latest data released from Pornhub... The search term granny increased in popularity by 132%. Because what better to hear after who's your daddy than I can't remember. <laughs> the search term granny? All right. I didn't want to talk about that. This is what I did want to bring up with Tim Sander for Tim the lawyer while we've got him around. Because I wonder about this a lot. I have become aware fairly recently about the damage that the availability of porn is doing to young men in the country and oh really how could you have become aware of that <laughs> yeah 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 i'm i'm a, I'm, a, I'm raising one teenager and about to have another and um and so you know i, I spent some time looking into it and you know i just I, I i i was completely off base thinking okay it's the same as it's always been you know you got a friend whose dad has a Playboy in the garage you found or whatever. It's a completely different thing what happens with a lot of the uh, online porn pornography. And if, if young people, well, any age actually, but particularly young people, you take in enough of it, it rewires your brain to where you cannot have. And this is common. And I've been on Reddit threads where people talk about this all the time. 
20-year-old men who cannot get an erection with a live girl who wants to have sex with them because their brain was rewired by porn for something different as a stimulus. It's a common thing. And people who are drug addicts saying it's way more like drug addiction than it is like a sex thing. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like anything like it. So from a what can we do about this standpoint that falls within, you know, our free speech and free market and everything like that? Do you have any ideas, Tim, of what could be done about this at all? Oh, I well, first of all, I should say I don't have kids. And so I don't know and I don't know anything about this kind of psychology or anything so i wouldn't pretend to be an expert in, in anything like that all i would say is humanity has faced these kinds of radically transformative technologies in the past we kind of underestimate what a huge deal radio was a century ago when it first came out i mean that was nor or the automobile i mean the reason why the man act was passed prohibiting people from transporting girls across state lines for immoral purposes was because the automobile created the ability to travel in private with one other person something that had never really existed before unless you weren't a horse I mean, so these these things transform society enormously, and they were painful and disturbing. But we've gotten used to them, and we've figured out how to deal with them more or less. And I, I have no better answer than that. But I can promise you that probably nobody else out there has a better answer than that. Right. That's the thing about libertarianism is it's not it's a non utopian philosophy. So our answer is very often, I don't know what the answer to that problem is. And then that looks bad compared to the other guy who comes along and says, oh, I have a perfect solution to that, except that his solution is as a lie. And I'm just not going to lie to you. I'll just tell you, I don't know what the solution is. Neither does he. But I can tell you that I don't know the solution. And we're going to have to figure this out on a one by one person by one person basis over time until we figure out the new rules to deal with these kinds of challenges. And I think it can be done. I mean, you know, we... It, it's it definitely is a serious problem what you just described but you know detox we'll we'll figure out how to detox people from that just like we can detox people from other things and uh to a certain extent education will help because like i yeah. i wasn't aware of the way that it rewired people's brains and i'm sure a lot of people aren't and when it becomes as common knowledge as you know what we know about cigarettes now right that, right that, that'll help I was going to use another example, the cars thing. I remember, yeah, when cars came along, it was a rolling bedroom, and that was just a horror that, you know, young people could go on dates. and now It they was the first sexual revolution, and people have forgotten it because they, they think of the 60s, but the 20s was just as much, I mean, because it wasn't just a car, right? In the 20s, it was the car, it was radio, it was telephones, it was, you know, the, uh, air travel, all these sorts of radical technologies that came along in that period between 1900 and 1930 that, totally changed the way people live their life. The 1920 census, this is one of my favorite statistics, the 1920 census was the first census that showed more Americans living off of the farm than on the farm. That is an enormous transformation in how people live their lives. And sure. it's something we still struggle with these sort of lingering cultural reverberations from that time. Right. My, uh, I always think about this because it depended where, where you are in the country and, you know, when these things happen. My dad who graduated high school in 55, left home without running water or electricity. Oh, amazing. And, amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, and that was rural Iowa. It was a lot of the country was that way. Um, uh, uh, I had one more thing on this. Oh, we <laughs> came across something a while back. Uh, I was just reminded of. 
all the things that were blamed on jazz, and I forget yeah. what year it was. It was the twenties or something like that, and just everything was bland, blamed on jazz. You yeah. know, the divorce rates, pregnancy, bad eyesight, bad health—just you know, everything was blamed on jazz as a music. And, and when it turns out that all of that was actually just Ornette Coleman was responsible for all that. <laughs> Sorry, a little jazz joke there. <laughs> but but a similar situation, like you know, maybe I put too much on pornography, and uh, there are yeah. a number of cultural effects going on at the same time. Yeah, the flappers uh, and with their radical new haircuts and you know short dresses. I mean, it's not. To, this is not to minimize the threats that we face and that our ancestors faced. These were real, real problems, and they are real problems today. But I think humanity will find a way to muddle through as it usually has. And honestly, if that's the worst problem we've got, I think we'd be we'd be in pretty good shape. We got a lot more pressing concerns at at, at the moment. I think. Um, so Governor Greg Abbott of Texas yesterday signed into law three bills, Texas state bills, that pour more money into his three-year effort to deter illegal immigration at the Texas-Mexico border, give Texas law enforcement authority to arrest undocumented immigrants anywhere in the state. Uh, one of it, one of the bills is now a law, one point and one and a half billion dollars to make a wall, basically, on the 1,200-mile border. Spending $40 million for state troopers to patrol and be able to arrest illegal immigrants and a couple of other things. This has happened a few times with Arizona and Texas where the state attempts to pass laws to deal with illegal immigration because the federal government, which is supposed to deal with this, isn't. Uh, If you'll remember, over the summer, Texas had some barriers in the Rio Grande to try to deter people swimming across. And the federal government came in and said, you can't do that. Um, is this as just predictable as I think it's going well, to be? It gets yeah, challenged prob- in the courts and none of it happens? Or? Yeah, probably. I mean, the, what happened in the Arizona case is called Arizona versus United States. It involved, remember, uh, SB 1070, which Arizona passed that allowed state officials to enforce federal immigration law. Now, the rule is, the Supreme Court said that's unconstitutional. The, the rule is that the you, the states can't interfere with something that the feds are doing that, because the, the federal government is supreme, so it preempts state law. But what about if the feds aren't doing anything right. and the state goes and does that thing? And there's a rule that sometimes that's also preempted. If the if the feds have made a conscious decision not to do something, then the state can't go in there and do that thing because that would also be interfering with con- what Congress has decided. And so that's what the Supreme Court said in the Arizona case. They said, here's the quote from the case, by authorizing state officers to decide whether an alien should be detained for being removable, that is, for being illegally here, Section 6, the the state law, violates the principle that the removal process is entrusted to the discretion of the federal government, end quote. Now, that was a 5-4 ruling, and there has been a change on the Supreme Court, a lot of changes in the Supreme Court in the time since that decision came out. So it's possible it would be different. And there's also... A line in that in that Arizona case where the court said, well, we're not going to address. And this is a little confusing if you think about it. The court said we are not addressing whether this is a quote, whether reasonable suspicion of illegal entry or another immigration crime would be a legitimate basis for detaining somebody. So they didn't decide whether the state can detain you to ascertain whether you violated a federal law in one part of the opinion. And then in another part of the opinion, they said, but the states can't enforce something that Congress is not enforcing. 
That doesn't make a lot of sense. And it also doesn't make a lot of sense that this is not a situation where Congress has made the deliberate choice not to enforce the immigration laws. This is a a situation where Congress has said one thing and then the feds are actually doing the opposite. They they say that we're enforcing and then then they're just sort of being derelict. Right. Uh, Right. Okay. Yeah. So there is a distinction there. You're right. Because when you first said that, I was thinking, yeah, well, Congress has decided not to enforce this. So. But that was also true in the Arizona case, right? It was a lot of this was, well, you're not doing the job. We're going to go out there and enforce federal law because you're not being uh, you're not willing to do it. To my mind, I I don't see how that's preempted. But the Supreme Court said it was preempted because Congress's dereliction somehow or another equates to uh, some kind of a deliberate choice. And so if if that's the reasoning that controls with this new Supreme Court, then, yes, the Texas thing is 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 unconstitutional. Well, but but does, doesn't the secretary of Homeland Security saying repeatedly the border is secure suggest <laughs> right. that they're they think they're enforcing it? Right. Yeah, that certainly it certainly suggests that this is a deliberate policy. And especially year after year after year of the same thing. At what point is the dereliction the same as a deliberate policy? If you say, well, I'll get around to it, I'll get to around it, I'll get around to it. You know, it's like they're never going to get around to it. So somebody's got to take action. So you think there is a, a crack of hope that the Supreme Court would say, hey, look, federal government, either yeah. do something or don't. But if you're not, the, the states ought to be able to do something. I do. I think it's 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 an uphill battle, but I do think it's a possibility. And I think that crack of hope is in between those two seemingly inconsistent sentences that I read from that Arizona case that opens up the door for the new Supreme Court to say, you know what, we've got some kind of different situation here or something. And so the Texas law is OK, possibly, you know, we, impossible to say first day of law school. They say, don't try to predict what the Supreme Court's going to do. So I, I shouldn't be predicting. But right. Yeah, that's interesting, though. Well, thanks. You give me some hope on that because I thought it was just an open and shut. Not a chance, but very Unless cool. I just try to build up the hope so that it so that the world comes crushing down on you. <laughs> right. Especially at this time of year. Right. <laughs> that's the best time to build up open than have a crushing down. You thought you were going to get a pony. You get up. There's no pony. I mean, it's just that's the way life works. Uh, more on the way. Stay here. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Jessica Vinton bought a vase for $3.99 at a Goodwill store outside Richmond, Virginia. Later finding out it's a rare piece of Murano glass designed for Vanini by Italian architect Carlo Scarpa in the 1940s. It sold at auction for more than $107,000. So did you hear that? All that crap in your garage. Hold on to it. Hold on to it forever. Woman buys a vase at a garage sale for three ninety nine. Ends up selling it for one hundred seven thousand dollars because of some famous something or other. There you go. Uh, a life lesson or something there. Uh, welcome to the uh, holiday version of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Joe is in Europe. Do have some uh, great, more great guests coming up later. Going to talk to Lon He Chen about politics. He's worked in a number of presidential campaigns. Is a great analyst of this sort of stuff, and we'll look a little bit at the. Well, the politics of the day and some policy stuff and obviously the horse race that's going on with uh, Iowa caucusing and voting not very far away. Got an actual real question for Tim Sandifer, who joins us right now, Tim the lawyer. But before we get to that, I ask everybody for a letter grade on their year on Friday. Everybody on the show, uh, just put a letter grade on year. Mostly C's. Michael, you were a D because of your health situation. Health and a family member passing yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 makes sense. Um, and uh, Katie was an A. Why were you an A, Katie? I don't know. I, I was an A because I was basing my grade on previous years. They were all F's. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that can happen. You know, you have a couple of down years, uh, you know. This year's oh, looking pretty good. Yeah, exactly. That can happen. <laughs> the rest of us were C's, though. Joe, Hanson, and I were all C's, which we, we decided was we're using old grading, not modern grading, where everything's an A. Old grading, where average is C, is perfectly fine. Tim Sandifer, what would you put your letter grade on the year at? Well, by by Katie's rationale, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bump it up because I expect next year to suck. <laughs> wow. So, Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up for that reason. I would get I would say B minus. Uh, we we you know health situations. My my father in law passed away mm. in March, which is really tough. But there's also been a lot of really great stuff. I got to bathe a rhinoceros this year. Hold um, on, hold on a second. That is a a sentence not yet spoken on the Armstrong and Getty Show in 25 years. You got to bathe a rhinoceros. How did this yes, occur? First, at the Phoenix first, Zoo. Before this can happen, you need a dirty rhinoceros. Oh, they're, they're they come dirty. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I, I'm a member of the Phoenix Zoo, and if you if you that like a hundred bucks extra, you can take these behind the scenes tours. And one of the things you get to do is hose down the rhinoceros. Or there's also an elephant tour, things. Like, and they're they're so much fun. We had a great time. That was awesome. My wife qualified for the Boston Marathon. Oh, She's taken wow. up marathon running, and she, her first marathon was in January, and she ran in the Chicago Marathon and did well enough that she's going to run in the Boston Marathon wow. next. Not next year, but the year after that, which means that I have to put up with a, another year and a half of her getting up at three in the morning to pound on the treadmill upstairs. That uh, is really impressive, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty how good. Much, how much do you run? Uh, <laughs> when lions are chasing me. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've run 23 point whatever miles in my entire life put together. And uh, Cumulative. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's 26.2. So so that's yeah there you go see i don't even know the numbers uh no so that was pretty good and uh, we had some some cool we have some cool wins at the goldwater institute in our lawsuits and and in the the bills we're trying to get passed we have cases we just argued a case in the arizona supreme court we got another one coming up in january and we have a case uh, in the texas supreme court coming up in january we've got so we've got a lot of big wins at work that are uh, that are uh, steps forward for freedom, and we're really proud of those. So those are some real achievements. So I give I would give it a B minus. 
What uh, you mentioned a homeless case that you guys are working on. What is that? Well, Phoenix had the worst homeless encampment in the country, the zone Jeez, in downtown. I can't imagine what that looked like. Living a around. thousand people living in tents. And we helped out with some people who sued over that and won and got that cleaned up. And our next step is to we've got a bill in the works that would say if you're a property owner and your city is refusing to take care of the homeless problem and you have to spend your own money to try and like put up fences or whatever it might be, that you should be able to deduct that from your taxes. And we're going to we're going to get that oh, passed wow. in a number of states coming going forward. I think that you got to hit these government officials in their pocketbooks because or, you know, in their budgets, because they, they are not going to act and they're going to use any excuse they can not to act. So. We, that bill is is coming up. You'll you'll be able to hear more about that in the coming months. So these are some big wins. And I like you say, I just maybe you know I'm I I'm optimistic. I got I got a family that loves me. I got a job that's rewarding. I've seen gone places and seen cool things. And so I, I I'm I'm upbeat. I would say B minus. Family stuff obviously is number one. I think for everybody. But man, having a job you like is huge. If, if yes. I've had plenty of jobs I hated. That's a that's a that's tough, man. I anybody... can't believe people pay me to do this stuff because I yeah. love it so much. Yeah, that's the way I feel too. And I, I I I know there are people listening right now that have jobs they hate. I've I've been in that position. It's rough. Hey, we got a this... few years ago. I got to write an article about Star Trek, and they paid me for it. Now that was living the dream. <laughs> uh, we got this question. Give us our your one minute version of a thought on professional juries. Since we were talking about the problems with juries earlier. Uh, I'm against professional juries just because I think it would work at first and then it would slowly deteriorate into the establishment and juries. What we need is more juries. In fact, the the enormous majority of criminal cases don't involve juries at all. The jury trial is a rarity in the United States today because, of course, of plea bargaining. On that issue, I would encourage everybody to check out the work of my friend Clark Neely at the Cato Institute. It's uh, N-E-I-L-Y is how you spell his name. And he's been doing a lot of great work about the problem with plea bargaining and the fact that it is basically rendering the jury trial an extinct species in this country and it's a disgrace it's got to stop wow that i'm glad you brought that up um i've i've i i haven't thought about it that much but that's what i always just kind of assumed about the professional jury thing too is it seems like at the beginning it would be great but it would devolve into something awful yeah, people would get to know each other. They would become part right. of the system. It would be just like, you know, it would be basically like a, a group of 12 prosecutors in front of you, you know. Yeah, and different juries would get different reputations. Right, right. And uh, you know that would happen. Interesting. Um, maybe more on that, some sort of stuff another time. Well, uh, Tim, I think I got to move on with some other guests. Thanks for having me back, oh. Jack. I know you keep having me back because you keep hoping I'm going to get it right. Sorry I didn't do it this no. time, but Thanks. next time. You are a fan favorite and a fabulous uh, co-host. For Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Have a good Christmas. See you and everybody. Thank you. Uh, much to talk about. Still got to get to a stupid flipping poll. Do I actually want to talk about that? I might not actually want to talk about that. Maybe I'll bring it up with Lon Hee Chen. If you miss a segment, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment legal or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.